welcome to 12-1. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick. This is a podcast for anyone who has accepted the challenge to live life as one of the disciples and is trying to learn from Jesus Christ every single day. I know you guys don't know this because this podcast 12-1 has not actually been uh, put out there for everybody to hear just yet. But I recorded about five episodes, and then there's been almost a month and a half gap in between those five episodes and what I'm recording now. And it's just kind of interesting because my husband's traveling all over the nation, and we're following him, doing this job, this construction job. And, you know, when I did the first five, I automatically kind of assumed I I knew the next steps of what God was going to ask me to do. Okay, you're asking me to do a podcast. So now wherever we go in the future, automatically, it's going to be set up in some way for me to do a podcast. So there's always going to be a quiet location. There's always going to be time where I can step away from my son and focus on this. And I just kind of assumed that's what it was going to look like. Well, over the last month and a half, things got really crazy. Uh, the Lord called us to Washington, D.C., and I recorded, you know, a couple episodes there. And then just within a day, you know, he, he called us out to Boston. And so we packed up all of our stuff with a day's notice. Totally had different plans. And as we're driving to Boston, I think it was like a 10 and a half hour drive, we find out that it's not Boston, it's Cape Cod. And hey, when you show up to Cape Cod um, on this project site, uh, we we actually stay with some of the crew guys and they're amazing Christian men and it's really great and it works out well and I cook all the meals for them while they're working and all that and it's wonderful. Um, but on this particular spot in Cape Cod, there was another family of five kids showing up in this house that was pretty tight quarters. Uh, it was big, big house, but for all of us, it was tight quarters. Uh, and I just very quickly <laughs> had to realize that as soon as I try to put God's plans in a box, as soon as I hear a little piece of what he's calling me to, I have the deepest desire to start putting things in a box and start making the box pretty and starting to organize all of it, just to realize that is not necessarily what he's asking of me. So I got kind of frustrated and I kind of started to panic and worry about this timeline of this podcast. I got to get this done. But here I am. I'm around all these people. And then from there, we went camping because we're up in the northeast part of the country and we're close to Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, all places we've never been. And so we as a family, you know, decide that we're going to start traveling. And so we camped, I think, in 20, over 20 different places and stayed all over and did some house sitting. Um, we house sitted in Maine and all sorts of stuff. And again, while you're camping, where are you supposed to do a podcast? And I know some people do it out of their cars and all that, but that was more than my brain can handle. And so as I'm sitting here trying to shove God into this box, I'm panicking. There was just this moment where I took a deep breath and I, um, I got some time alone with God and I just started talking with him and I'm kind of stressing out about feeling like there's this timeline, this timeline, this timeline. And I just kind of snapped out of it and kind of realized that if God's not creating a space for me to do the podcast, then the podcast does not need to be recorded right now. He's fully aware of the life that he's calling us to, calling me to in this situation. And I don't need to panic about what I cannot do in the time frame or in the place or the circumstance of what he's provided me. So I had to take a really big, deep breath. And when I did that, when I stopped worrying about recording, all of a sudden, 
all these podcasts just started coming. I started opening up. I have this journal, right? I write down all the ideas. And I opened it up and I just started writing and writing and writing. Every morning I woke up and I started writing and I have almost 25 podcasts all written out, ready to be recorded. Uh, and so sort of what I'm learning right now um, is that I keep trying to take little pieces of what God says. And instead of listening to the full thing that he has to say, I take that one little thing and I automatically start to make it look pretty and I try to organize it and I try to put it in my brain and I try to sort through it, not realizing he's not done talking yet. <laughs> and in this circumstances, it was that he wanted to give me five podcasts to get my head wrapped around what he was calling me to do. And then he was going to start talking and start giving me what I wanted, what I he wanted me to talk about. And there was kind of a sequence to that. Um, there was kind of a, a relationship that had to be built between him and I as far as how I would speak out. And anyway, so I think there's kind of like a little lesson in there that we often want to take just one little thing he said and we just go, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. You know, as a teenager, we say that, well, I got it, I got it. Don't, you know, leave, leave me alone. I get, I get what you're saying. And we want to just start taking care of it. When often he goes, no, 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 this is a long conversation we're going to have over time. And I need you to be present for all of it. So I know we've been talking a lot about love and I'm kind of getting a little nervous about how much time we're spending talking about love. But at the same time, I feel a very, very strong conviction to continue the discussion and continue to work through love because I think love is so deeply uh, misunderstood. And I think a lot of times when it applies to God, we try to apply our human emotions and our human understanding of love. And we pin it onto God, not realizing that he's the author of love and that we instead need to change our view of love um, onto what his view as love is. And, you know, when I, I sit here and read through Mark 12, 30 through 31, uh, you'll see why I think love is so part, important. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So as I said before, it's clear and obvious that one of the things that God cares about most is love. First, loving the Lord with all of our heart, strength, mind. Uh, soul, but also the fact that we would love others, right? And so we hear that, that there, again, Jesus is putting emphasis on this as being the greatest commandments that he can possibly have, that all things fall into place when that is our top priority and that's where our heart is in the first place. And so I want to just kind of take off and I want to start from there, just kind of looking at this. Now, I am not a scholar. I am not a pastor, but when I went and did a study on this and I went and looked at the Greek words uh, within this passage, just because I was curious, you know, do I truly understand what it means to love my God with all my heart and all my soul? And like, what does that really, really mean? And so I wanted to kind of understand that deeper. And so there was no motive when I was actually sitting down and doing this. But as I started to look at it, as I started to do the research, I started to realize that my understanding of love was a little bit tweaked and off, and that it kind of helped me understand a little bit better and how I can love the Lord. Okay, so first off, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So the word there um, for Lord is kurios, which is the Lord, Master, person exercising absolute ownership. And I find that interesting because I want to just pause and think about that for a second because I did as well. 
do I live my life in a way where God shows ownership of me? Or am I asking God to come along in my life? You know, do I live my life in a way where, you know, I I used to think of slavery, you know, like being a slave to the Lord. And I used to have a really hard time with that. I used to really, really hate that word because I felt like if I did that, I had I had no sense of self. I was uh, sacrificing everything I cared about. You know, I, I just felt like there would be no Amy in the mix of the relationship between God and Amy. It was me kind of laying down everything and there'd be nothing left. But um, I kind of got this visual in my head one day of thinking about, you know, a slave would wake up every morning and they would go to their master and and ask, you know, what what do you have for me today? What What is the work that you have for me? And when I kind of started to think about that of being a willing servant, um, that I would wake up in the morning and I would go to my, my master's house and I would knock on the door and be able to look Jesus in the eyes and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? It's a much different view of ownership um, because he's not asking me to be anybody other than myself. Um, and he's going to use me in the work that I can give him best. And so I don't know, that kind of helped me a little bit to look at that and to step into that that position of him exercising absolute ownership over me, that he wasn't going to try to ask me to um, lose myself and my and how he created me, my aiminess, um, but that he was going to work with that person that is me and to do the work that he is calling me to. Okay, and then the next part here is to love your God with all your heart. So the word heart is actually cardia, and that word is used 800 times in in the Bible, and it's never once referred to as the physical organ, um, like your heart pumping blood, right? But this is talking about your mind, your character, your inner self. Um, It's the effective center of our being, okay? The capacity for moral preference. It's our desire producer that makes us tick. So This is who we are at the very core of us. It's the things that we desire. It's the things that we want to happen. It's the things that we get excited about and passionate about, right? Um, It's the things that are our moral preferences, um, things that we prefer to do and what, what seems right and wrong in us. And so this is basically saying, right, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your desires, with all of your passions with all the things that make you tick, right? So that you're supposed to love the Lord with all your desires. And when you think about that, that's a little bit different than I've ever thought about before. But it's it's realizing that some of the desires inside me are not good desires. They're not things that I need to pursue. And they're not things that are going to honor God and show love to the Lord. And so to take some of those, uh, those dangerous desires and push them aside and focus on the ones that are good. So some of that is just like music, for example. Um, just my desire is not always... God honoring music. And so what I've chosen to do instead is to love the Lord by listening to more worship music. And I'll be honest with you, it was kind of hard for me. Um, Back in the day, I really struggled with worship music, just kind of thought it was cheesy. And um, I don't know, just not very creative. And um, But the more and more I listened to it, the more and more I fell in love with it. And now it's pretty much all that I listen to. Um, And so that was just kind of a transition that I went through and had to kind of work on and I had to be really diligent in, but I think that sacrifice was showing love. Um, 
I think other people might see this different. Um, I felt like that was my conviction. Uh, but these these words I'm sharing with you about what each one of these mean in the Greek, um, they do mean that. And so you might find different um, convictions about what that's saying as far as, you know, you loving the Lord with all your innermost being, with um, your desire producer <laughs> uh, within you that makes you tick, the things that you're passionate about. That might be a different um, thought in your head. But that's how it was translated Um as I prayed through that. Okay, and then it goes on um, the saying that you need to love the Lord with all your soul. Soul, And that word there is pusuke. I hope I got that right. <laughs> um, which is a person's distinct identity. The soul is the direct aftermath of God breathing his gift of life into a person. And it's the seat of affection and will. And so this is about who you are, like how God made you. There's some things you may desire, but there's things that you can't change about yourself. Like the fact that um, I have a creativity inside me. I didn't build that. I didn't create that. You can develop creativity, but that was something I had from birth. Or um, the fact that I'm very strong-willed <laughs> or the fact that um, I I love to be loud. My son loves to be loud. We love to sing and just, you know, be at home and just be able to <laughs> say whatever we want, as loud as we want to say it. Um, and so that's something that was just a part of who I am. So to love the Lord, your God, with all of your soul is to love the Lord with how he created you, how he made you. So once again, he's not asking you to be anybody else. If you're quiet and you're kind of um, somebody that takes a backseat and you love to work hard without getting recognition, God created you that way. And so that is the the type of things that God is going to call you to. And he's not asking you to be anything outside of that. For me, I have... Um, I like having a strong voice. And so he's been using that over the years to speak truth and situations um, through being a teacher and all sorts of stuff. Um, But that's how he made me. And so loving the Lord is taking how you've been created and using that to directly um, give back to him by loving on him and doing his work um, to honor him. But and the opposite side of that, we can also take how we've been created and use it for for vile horrible things. And I know for me, taming my tongue, um, it's been a gift to spread the gospel and to share truth. But also my tongue is typically the first thing that hurts somebody. And so, you know, that's that's the opposite of loving the Lord is allowing how you've been created to be used in a way that actually pulls you away from the Lord or hurts others, right? So we need to be really aware of our giftings and those giftings that sometimes can turn the opposite direction and become really, really, really negative. Often the things that are our biggest struggle, at least for me, that are my biggest struggle are the things that also are my greatest gifting. Okay, the next one is loving the Lord with all your mind, which is dianoia. So this is intellect and thought, but get this, there's more to it than that. When you look at the Greek, and like I said, for all these words, what it what happens if you go to Bible Hub and you look up a Greek word, typically it's pulling those definitions for every time the word is mention, mentioned all throughout the Bible, and they bring them together and create a full definition for it. So there's lots of <laughs> lots of definitions that kind of make a story. So it's intellect and thought. 
But then it goes on to say that it's movement from one side of an issue to the other and reach a, uh, to reach a balanced conclusion. Then it says through reasoning, it incorporates both sides of a matter to reach a meaningful conclusion. And the last one said it's knowledge of God helps us to love him and others. So loving the Lord with all your mind sounds like what to me that you are taking your your thoughts and you are um slowing down and looking at all aspects and perspectives of situations around you to create a balanced and steady uh view of what you are dealing with so it's not uh brash decisions it's not looking at your emotions and immediately responding but it is sitting down and kind of toiling over um looking at all aspects of what you're dealing with and making sure that you're coming up with um, a a real balanced decision, a balanced conclusion about what you're facing. So, you know, when I sit there and think about all the things that we've been dealing with lately in the world, as far as offenses, everybody's offended about something, right? Um, When we sit there and, and think about that, offenses typically come because we immediately react Um, And I think what loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, right? When you think about mind aspect of that, and we're thinking about loving the Lord and loving our neighbors, right? I'm challenged to slow down. I'm challenged to stop and look at how do I love the Lord with all my mind when it's telling me that I need to slow down and I need to look at all aspects of the situation, find perspective and come to a balanced conclusion. And would I feel the same way? Would I feel as offended if I did that? Would I be able to love the Lord more and love my neighbor more if I did that? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And the polar opposite of that is to not look at all signs to just go ahead and get it frustrated and offended, right? Um, and so I think I think this one's good for where we're at right now, but it's also, I think, really good when we're dealing with times when we feel like God's not being fair. I think so often we get frustrated, but we don't pause and ask God to help give us clarity and help us to see what we've done wrong or the things that he's working on in us so that we can see the full picture. We tend to just see our side of things and we get really, really frustrated or angry. Um, and once again, that's a very, that's not a, that's not a, um, looking at both sides. That's not looking at different perspectives. That's just getting frustrated, right? So then the last part of that, loving the Lord with all your strength. I think the word here is iskus. So this is, it's strength, it's absolute power, it's might, it's force, ability. So it's the force to overcome immediate resistance. So It's the ability to push up against something when something is pushing on you, right? And to love the Lord when you are pushed up against resistance, right? And so um, this one is kind of interesting because, you know, this actually pushed me into another study, which is really cool. Um, And I'm going to share in just a second. Um, But, you know, once you start thinking about that, you start thinking about strength, you start thinking about all your ability, all your power. And I start thinking about do I love the Lord with all of my strength? Do I put all my effort into this the way I put all my effort into other things? You know, I think it's good for all of us to evaluate the amount of effort that we put into our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, do we do we actually apply anything into that? And, you know, when there is pushback, when there is pressure, or we feel like, you know, we're putting out the effort and we're not getting anything back, or maybe life's really hard and it's we've lost our ability to find joy in spending time with the Lord, or maybe somebody's giving us flack about our faith. You know, are we 
are we able to stand true? And are we able to continue to pursue God uh, with a, a desire in our heart to love him and to love our neighbors? So there's a lot more here in this passage we could talk about, uh, and I'm not going to touch all of it just because it's not really the focus of where I want to go right now. But uh, a while back, I was looking up, uh, I wanted to see if there was a word for a Greek word for all in, to be all in, to be fully invested into something. I, I know I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, a geek about this stuff. But uh, so I was looking it up and there was a word that came up and it was called meraki. Uh, and as I started to research in it, it, more and more it kind of hit me and it became something I was super passionate about. But so when I looked up the word uh, meraki, M-E-R-A-K-I, uh, it means to do something with passion, with absolute devotion, with undivided attention. And then it said, no matter how difficult a task, it's done with all your effort, with enthusiasm, and it's done with all your heart, a labor of love to put your soul into something to put a little bit of yourself into it. And then lastly, it said, someone who lives life, lives it to the hilt, does everything with the zeal. Someone who lives for the moment, for the now, is often here in Greece referred to as a meirakiist. And so, you know, as I read that, it's, you know, I know this word isn't even in the Bible. It's never once mentioned. Um, but at the same time, when I hear it, it kind of paints a picture of how I want to be in my faith. You know, it says, no matter how difficult a task, it's done with all your effort, with enthusiasm, done with your heart, with your heart and labor of love. You put a little bit of yourself into it. You know, when you hear these words, I, I hope it inspires you to think about how you want to live your life, lived out for the Lord. How do you want people to re- remember you? You know, I so often think about the people mentioned in the Bible, and there's big, long stories about Moses and Abraham and all those people. But there's also these little one-liners, these, you know, things that are said all throughout the Bible. And it's just one mention of a person. And it basically, it very often just mentions their character. You know, they were lived a righteous life and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, I always thought about what it would mean uh, or what it would look like to live a life that was summed up in one sentence. And what would you want that one sentence to be? You know, what would you want that one thing to be remembered about you that if you die tomorrow, what is that one statement that would go on your tombstone? You know, my husband and I have been traveling all over Massachusetts and Washington, D.C. We went to uh, Arlington Cemetery, and then we also went to some of the first cemeteries that ever were here with the pilgrims. And, you know, and so we're looking at people that dedicated their life to their faith, that decided to risk everything in order to pursue um, following God. And, you know, it made me think, it made me realize that these people had a statement about their life. Just being called a pilgrim in itself meant that they lived a life fully devoted to following God. And, you know, as I sit here and read about Meraki, I think about the fact that I want people to know that I had a labor of love um, for the Lord and I put everything of myself into my faith. You know, I, I hear these words that they're saying and it's, um, it's something that challenges me um, to have absolute devotion, to be un- have undivided attention, to do something with passion, right? The word meiraki challenges me in my faith to think about what I want to live my faith out to look like. And I think when we have a vision of what we want rather than what we want to get from God, suddenly we have something to aim at. We have something that we can be excited about. 
and move forward. Um, something we can pray about with the Lord and say, this is the kind of faith I want to have. I want people to say this about me. Help me to get there. Show me how to have a faith that looks like this. Um, so I, I hope um, that this podcast has helped you. I hope that it's challenged you a little bit and helped shape a little bit of how you look at the word love and how uh, the Lord wants us to love him and love other human beings. Thank you so much for listening to this series on love. I hope you liked it. I hope you appreciate it and you were challenged. If you have any questions or comments or you'd love to share any powerful stories that God is doing in your life, feel free to email me at 121podcast at gmail.com. That's all spelled out, no numbers, and I would love to hear from you. 